Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. People who don't understand that they belong to the church, the church doesn't belong to them. Rather than understanding what the church is and who its leaders are. It's kind of a, a special breed of American Christianity, you know. And it forgets that we're part of the body of Christ, partnering in fellowship together, fellowship and ministry, where each part has a role to play. And elders are those whom God has raised up for such a time as this. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the church, Lord. We are in this series on rethinking church, devoted to the church, Father. And we thank you for the church, Uh, Lord. We know that we can't live without it, that we shouldn't try. Uh, Often we fail to understand it. And therefore, we don't love the church the way that we should. And we understand that our attitude towards the church represents our attitude towards the Savior. And so, Lord, help us to rethink church. Help us to rededicate and redevote ourselves to church. And, Lord, tonight, today, as we talk about elders and shepherds and overseers and pastors, Lord, help us to come away with a new understanding Lord, change us so that we can serve you better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue our series. Of course, this is, uh, this is part three of Rethinking Church, Devoted to Church. And today we talk about elders, pastors, overseers, and we say handle with care. And so look at this. You know, we, we look at words like elder, pastor, overseer, shepherd, And 
we have ideas about this, but often our ideas don't line up with the Word of God. And, uh, and often th- this topic is a neglected topic. I mean, who, what are they? What do pastors, elders, and shepherds do? You know, are they the same? Are they different? Just what? And so today we look at Acts 20 to 28 to 31, and we see a very succinct job description, which gives us a hint of this. And in Acts 20, 28 to 31, we find the Apostle Paul speaking, as it says in the text itself, to the Ephesian elders, and this is what he says to them. And I want you to watch some of the words and some of the actions that are prescribed here. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. There's even a hint of the deity of Christ there, right? To care for the church of God, which he, God, obtained with his own blood. Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son. Then he goes on to say, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, from among your own selves, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years, for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. What you see here is this huge responsibility It's an interesting passage. You know, we don't spend a lot of time characteristically as a church or churches in the book of Acts. But the book of Acts documents basically the first 50 years, first 100 years, some say, of the Christian church. And I hope to get to the book of Acts one day, but we'll see that one day. But in Acts, what you find is the word elder right before this passage. And then you find the word overseer, episcopus there. Uh, And then... Elsewhere in the New Testament, whether it's uh, 1 Timothy, you find 1 Timothy 3, you find the word overseers. In Titus 1, you find the word elders. In 1 Peter 5, you see overseers again, or elders. And you have these terms, and people look at these terms, and they're not sure who they apply to or how they apply or what they mean. Is there a difference between an elder and a pastor? Is there a difference between an overseer and a shepherd? Well, the word pastor here comes from a Latin word which means to shepherd, right? Because you think of the pasture where the sheep are, the pastor or the shepherd watches over them. The terms elder and overseer are both used in Acts 20, and we see from Paul's description here in the passage what they do. They watch over the flock of God. They function as pastors. The apostle Peter takes these different terms and he weaves them all together in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, Peter sees himself as an elder, and a witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. You're an elder and you shepherd the flock of God that is among you. How? Exercising oversight Oversee, overseer, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful game, but eagerly. So elder, shepherd, oversight, overseer. Why is this important to our rethinking church? 
Because First Peter here and Acts there, they show you that elder, overseer, shepherd, pastor are essentially synonymous. And what we want to do today, therefore, is to help you to understand this more thoroughly because it will help you to understand how the church functions and how you function within that church. So today what I'd like to do is investigate four realities about elders, overseers, shepherds, pastors, so that as you rethink church, you can appreciate their work and handle them with care as you really begin for the first time maybe to understand who they are and what they do. So let's look at the first reality. Reality number one is this. Understand that the term pastor, elder, overseer, those terms are synonymous. They speak to a single office. These different terms refer to the same role and office as our passage in 1 Peter 5 indicated. We'll look at it again, 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So elder, shepherd, overseer, here they are in the text, they are interchangeable. They are one and the same. Now it's a complicated role because not everybody is cut out for that role. You have to be apt to teach. You, you must protect the flock as a good shepherd and you have to exercise oversight or authority. And of course, as we studied a few years ago, when we went through the pastoral epistles, maybe some of you weren't here, there are requirements given by the builder of the church to the apostle Paul for that role. A uh, husband of one wife, uh, able to teach, manages his household well, not a heavy drinker, not addicted to much wine. And yes, wine in the New Testament is alcoholic. How could you be addicted, Right. Not a lover of money, not a new convert, well thought of inside and outside the church, just to name a few. It's important that we understand their role as it is largely neglected and disrespected in American churches today, if not Western churches worldwide. And it's a role whose burden is only more complicated by the anti-authoritarian bent of our 21st century postmodern culture, where people largely don't respect institutions or authority. There's this independent, autonomous spirit. Now, I've already given you the biblical names, right, for shepherd, elder, pastor, overseer. Let me give you some other names that I've heard over the years. Uh, bozos, uh, idiots, morons, uh, incompetence, and my favorite, loser. I remember the loser term in particular some years ago before I came to this church. I received this letter. It said, and you know what? Some people are just stupid enough to sign them, right? And it said, uh, I remember, it said this, Dear Saul of Tarsus, you are a real loser. And if everyone who went to your seminary is like you, they are all losers too. And I want my money back that I gave to the building program. I kept that letter for years. I still have it. It's, I've had it probably since 2005. Because, you know, it just reminds you of the complexity of the role. Where does stuff like this come from? 
comes from the country club mentality. It comes from the idea that the members own the club. And, and, for, and people who don't understand that they belong to the church, the church doesn't belong to them. It comes to this sort of privileged mindset rather than understanding what the church is and who its leaders are. It's kind of a, a special breed of American Christianity, you know. And it forgets that we're part of the body of Christ, partnering in fellowship together, fellowship and ministry where each part has a role to play. And elders are those whom God has raised up for such a time as this. And, and, and how are they raised up? How are they? And we're going to talk next week about the call to ministry, the call to being an elder. But how are they raised up? How are they identified? Is there a voice from heaven? No. Providence. What do I mean by that? Well, in our case, we're a congregationally governed church. We elect our representatives, our leadership, namely elders. And when you think about it, you elected me on the recommendation of the search committee about seven, almost seven years ago, seven years in July. And so what we have here is an elder-led congregation. These men were raised up for such a time as this, and you affirmed their call, and you voted to elect them to represent you. Now, I remember when we made some changes to the bylaws and the Constitution a year or two ago, I forget when, there's a lot of hoopla about all this. So, well, I thought we were an elder. We, I thought we were a uh, congregational church. We are elder-led. That's different from elder rule. An elder-led church is where you elect your representatives and they guide and govern the church. An elder-ruled church is you vote once, never to vote again. You appoint elders and they basically self-perpetuate. Now, those two look the same on the surface. It's sort of like hearing Spanish and Portuguese. I've used this analogy before. They sound alike, but they're different languages. So we are, bless your hearts, a congregationally governed church, but we are elder-led. And that's the difference. Shifting gears, we remember that Christ is the builder. He has given specifications for the church, and his specifications involve elders. Where there's a church where they don't have elders, they are outside of the word of God. Okay, we have elders. We have an elder board comprised of a plurality of godly men, men only, as prescribed by the requirements found in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 and Titus 1, 5 through 9. And Christ builds his church through his design when we honor that design. So I want you to understand this. Elders, pastor, overseer, I want you to understand that these terms are synonymous. They're They're synonyms. And that's your, really your application. Understand this. Grasp this. Wrap your mind around that. Whether it's me or Gary Johnson, whether it's Roberto Munguia or, or, or Robert Stewart, they're all pastors, elders, shepherds. So by way of application, let's not create artificial distinctions between them. And let's not quibble about words. Let's just stick with the word of God. Which brings us to reality number two. Reality number two is this. Realize that your elders are to be accorded prayerful support and respect. Where is that written? It's explicitly written in Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17, the context is to remember those who taught you the word of God. And then verse 17, we read this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Some translations say unprofitable. So think about what's going on here. Elders are to shepherd the flock of God. Uh, They are shepherds. They are to give uh, an account for how they govern, how they lead the church. And so you want to be praying for them. Uh, You want to handle them with care. Because as shepherds, elders are to feed, care, teach, protect, and lead the flock, none of which is easy. And so they need prayer. They need support. They need encouragement. Think about it this way. In some ways, within the body of Christ, elders are not unlike soldiers or police officers or first responders. They see things and deal with things that you'll never see and you'll never deal with. Crises, tragedies, conflicts, sin. And shepherding, when you think about it, when you look at that term by way of analogy, shepherding is dangerous work in every culture in the world. How is that so? Well, there are wild animals, wolves, lions. It depends on where you are. Uh, David told King Saul about fighting lions and bears when he was a shepherd in Israel. And eldering and shepherding is lonely work. Again, using the analogy from Scripture and the Gospel of Luke, the shepherds were out in their fields at night tending their flocks when the angels appeared to them. And so it's, it's a one-of-a-kind thing. It's, it's also compassionate. I'm reminded, if you ever get a chance to read, I know, I know he's passed away and it's an old book, but Philip Keller's, uh, not Tim Keller, Philip Keller, he was a shepherd, a naturalist, and a photographer, I think in Australia or New Zealand. In his excellent work, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm, he walks through all the aspects of shepherding that are brought out in the 23rd Psalm. And one of the things he talks about is the self-destructive nature of those anxious creatures we call sheep. And God applies that descriptive term to us. You know, we are his sheep. We are the flock. And Keller talks about the patience it takes to shepherd and to care for sheep. He talks about how it is delicate work, how these animals harm themselves unwittingly but regularly. And he also talks about the fact that it can be deadly work when one sheep goes astray towards other sheep. Unruly sheep can endanger the flock. And sometimes a shepherd has to doctor a sheep. He's got to put a splint on a leg and the sheep resist and not understanding that the shepherd's trying to help and, and, they, and they, their resistance unsettles the rest of the sheep and leads to a stampede or some other undesirable effect. This happens in the church. People outside looking in often judge, critique, or interfere with the care of a particular sheep by the elders making things unnecessarily difficult for all. And that's why it says in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, so trust the leaders that you've chosen. Respect their decisions. Submit to them out of respect for their role and out of reverence for Christ. And what if they make a mistake? What if that happens? If, if they make a mistake? Are you kidding me? If they serve any length of time, they're going to mess something up. 
You can be sure that mistakes are going to be made. I guarantee it, because if they don't make them, I'll guarantee you I'll get to at least two or three. But that's why we have a plurality of godly men, not just two or three or four. I mean, we have something like, I forget the count now, 12 or 13 on the elder board. Try to get 12 people to agree on anything, you know? And then on the big deals, we practice unanimity. What does that mean? It means it takes a 100% vote of the board. Think about that. What does that mean? Well, I remember a couple of times in the past when we did not have enough qualified uh, lay people to fill the lay elder positions. We had, I think, one more staff person than we had lay elders. And somebody goes, well, that's no good because the staff could gang up on the lay elders. And I'm like, well, hey, number one, choose a different staff then. Or number two, choose different uh, lay elders. But the way that we operate is one elder can veto a decision. So it doesn't matter what you have. One no vote on something can delay it or stop it. Now, by asking for unanimity, there's no guarantee that the Holy Spirit will be working in all of us perfectly at the same time, but it allows for the working of the Holy Spirit and for providence. And so that kind of puts the brake on most mistakes, but they will make mistakes. I'll make mistakes. And when those mistakes are made, what do you do? Well, you want to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so pray for them. Pray for us. Elders are to be prayed for and treated respectfully because they'll get, they're going to give an account to God, the great shepherd, for how they cared for the flock, and they're going to be held accountable for you. And it would be better for them if they did not face attacks on two fronts, from Satan and from one or two or three or four of you. And so we read in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as shepherds, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. That would not be profitable for you. Now, what if an elder's conduct goes beyond a mistake? Well, there's a process for that. And we're going to get to that next. But meanwhile, I want you to realize, and each of these points is application. It comes with an imperative verb, right? Realize that your elders are to be accorded prayerful support and respect. That reality is application in and of itself. So be careful how you spout off sometimes. Be careful of the emails that you send, or the letters that you write, the comments that you make in the hallway. And positively, pray for them daily. You can find their faces on the, uh, on the little booklets that we've handed out, the church directories. You can find their faces and names on the website. Pray for them. Maybe take an elder each day. Maybe pray for the board in, in general each day. Maybe send one of them an encouraging note or email. Take them to coffee, take them to lunch. Get to know them, thank them, encourage them, particularly the so-called volunteer elders, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But to review, we've got two realities so far. Number one, understand that elders, pastors, overseers, shepherds are one and the same thing. Whether they're paid or not, same thing. Number two, elders are to be accorded prayerful respect and support and prayer. And number three, Know that elders can be easily removed. Know that elders can be easily removed.
There are two ways to do it. We'll start with the first, the one prescribed by Scripture. 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 20 says this, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer is, deserves his wages. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.